A big clap. You can clap your hands. You can clap your feet. Do whatever you want. As long as we give him praise. Why don't we thank our musicians this morning? And um, James is going to stay playing. Isn't James fantastic? It's nice when James plays. Wonderful. Well, do you know, I am so excited today about some of the things, some of the aspects that I'm going to be sharing with you because they have great relevance to our everyday living, but also some of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you today have relevance into next year. And um, I really do believe that they're going to have, along with others, that it's going to be very impactful. Some of the things that are going to be happening within our nation next year are going to be greatly impactful for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people's lives. And who knows, even the whole nation. Wonderful. It really is. Um, Tabo came up to me on another note this morning, so excited. And uh, he says, hey, Dave, he says, you know we've been sending out the minibus every week on a Sunday to collect people from the various uh, housing estates around Newport that are struggling with transport at the moment, struggling to get to church. And he said, you know, we've been doing it now for a number of years. And uh, we've, as a family, we've placed a priority on that through our giving and through what we have in our hand. We felt it necessary not just to keep our, our bus in the car park, but hey, let's, if we've got it, let's use it. Let's put it to good use. And maybe even our cars, we may have two or three seats spare on a Sunday. Why not put those seats to use? Ask Jesus to fill them. But we put that bus to use. And you know, we've been faithful as a church in small things. And we will continue to be faithful with that bus. And uh, Tabo said, he said, Dave, he said, you know, he said, throughout the time that we've been doing it, Sometimes the bus has only had just three or four on it. Other times, you know, it's filled up a little, but it's never really been full. He said, but today, he said, the bus was full and we had to send it out for a second trip. Now that's good news. That's good news. That's great news. Why? Because, you know, even by just using that simple bus that we have, we're using everything that we have within our means, within our reach, to be a bridge into the communities, to be a bridge into the lives of others so that we can bring them into this family, into our lives so that we can fellowship together, we can lift up the name of Jesus, and we can see everything that He wants to do unfold in our lives and our lives to be a blessing within this community. The church is the hope of the world. The church, God's complete interest is in the church. His whole focus, everything that Jesus is committed to in building, in promoting, in empowering and anointing is all in, whoop, all in the church. His vested interest 
is in the church and for the church to be an agent within the world to bring salvation, to bring blessing, to be an agent within the world to bring light and hope and good news in amidst darkness and all of the things that plight our society, the church. God puts his attention not on governments, not on organizations, not that they're doing a bad job, not that, they're, that, that, that the work that people are doing is wrong. No, it's good to have agencies within our world that reach out to people in difficult, difficult times. But the church is God's answer. Why? Because it's where God resides by His Spirit. And where the people in it look out and look toward one another with the same love and compassion and care that Christ had for His Disciples, the church is the means, the vehicle that God uses. And I know sometimes it's, you look at the church and, and sometimes the trouble and the, the trauma and the difficulties and the challenges that are in church, you wonder, really, is this what God can use? Yes, it is. He's not got another answer for a world that is lost and broken and on its way to a lost eternity. I was so encouraged by that news this morning. I said to Tarbo, hey, Tarbo, maybe in the future it might be time to get another bus. Who knows? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? And uh, do you know, over the last number of months, I have had the privilege to go out on a Monday evening with our outreach team. It's headed up by Tony Davis. And you know what? I'm telling you, I just, I've been out for the last, probably about the last three months with them on a Monday night. And the fields are white to harvest. People are ready to receive Jesus into their hearts. People are expectant. This harvest is ready to be reaped. And I've had such a, such a great time. And I want to commend them to you. I think, is Tony working today, Lara? Tony's working. And uh, you can't really say that he's not in church. You really can't. Because he has church in work. He, he has a church service in Wilkinson's warehouse. So Tony's at work, but he's in church. Fantastic. He may be, he may be preaching right now. He, t he shows me. He shows me his, his, you know, do you know how he has praise and worship? On a little tape, uh, not a tape recorder, a little CD player. Plays the CDs and, and he, he actually types the words out for the boys to sing. Radical. Radical. And do you know what? Men come. Men come to listen to the gospel, receive Christ into their hearts. And, and he's got a little church going there. It's absolutely fantastic. I tell you, I want to follow examples like that. That's, that's what I want to measure my life against. And we can look around the room and, and there's stories around the room where people are serving Jesus in such unusual, unique ways. And you look around and you think, wow, that's wonderful to see Jesus doing that through that person. It's wonderful to see Jesus, how he's using this person. And there, there, are, there are marking points in people's lives that I want to set my life against. 
And I went, I went out with this team. I, I commend them to you. What a great, passionate team. What a, what a wonderful love for people they have. The way they pray, the way they serve, the way sometimes they get rejected and abused. Like before that firing squad, they just graciously accept it and, and reach out anyway and come back again and again week after week. We've been going into Betis. It's been a joy. It's been a joy to meet young men and young women and older people. It's wonderful to see people coming from Betis now to the church. And on the 9th of December, this one Monday night, we were walking and Tony's walking past the social club. He said, come on, we're going in here. All right, Tony. In we went to the social club, met the committee. What a lovely committee. We saw this large hall and immediately my my mind started thinking, my goodness, we could have a little Christmas carol service here. We could have Father Christmas here. We could, we could bring lots of presents from the King's Church to bless children from schools right here in Betis and just be a blessing to them. So we spoke to the committee. I said, oh, do you know what? Listen, from the King's Church, do you know these, these people were open arms, coming in, welcome. From the King's Church, and sometimes we go out, just a simple uh, chat with him. I said, sometimes we go out and we get an opportunity whereby we can come into a community at Christmas, and this is what we do. We'd love to bring 500 Christmas hampers down here at Christmas, and if they all go and you need another 500, it's great as a church that we can be in a position to provide as many as you want. Because Jesus has been so good to us. And do you know what the man said to me? He said, well, he said, he said, the Salvation Army used to come and they haven't been for a long time. It'd be brilliant if you would come. I said, well, we'd love to come. So on your behalf, we're invited to Betty's Social Club. We're going to have a fantastic time. And just, do you know what? It wasn't planned for. We didn't, as a team, sit in a strategy meeting trying to work it out. How are we going to go in? It was just a simple old conversation with, with, a, with a committee that were just open. That Do you know what? Just really value people around them. Really value care for the community. And just want to bring people in. Well, it would be great for us to go in there. So we got Father Christmas. I think we got Nessa from Cardiff, haven't we? Hallelujah, I think she's coming. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. We're really excited. Leaflets have gone out into the junior schools, into the three junior schools that we work into on a regular basis through Jesus Cares. I think we handed probably over a thousand out. They took them home to their, their parents. The hall holds 300. So who knows what's going to happen? It could be jam-packed. Or there could be just but a few. It matters not. It matters not. We're just going to step out and be a blessing. But you know, maybe, maybe you want to get involved in the outreach team. Just turn up Monday night. You may just come once. 
that's absolutely fine. Or you may come a number of times. You may decide, wow, this is for me. I love sharing my faith with others. And listen, you'll, you'll, you'll love it. What a, what a wonderful blessing it is. But I've said all of that to say this. Do you know, our lives, our lives are a bridge. Our lives are a connection point for Christ into a world that is dark, into a world that is lonely, into a world that feels that God has rejected them. No, God's not rejected them. And our lives are the vehicle, are the means by which we can go in to a world that's cowering under the guilt of a past that they can't remove or free themselves from. Our lives are the bridge, the means to shed the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to show them the love of God, and to bring a needy world to a loving Savior that will save them and deliver them. What a wonderful opportunity we have every day. Next year, next year as a church, we have been invited, along with other churches throughout South Wales, throughout Wales, to partner with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association to support them as a local church within our community, this city, to run a campaign on the 14th of June, which is a Sunday evening. And right throughout the country, Franklin Graham, which is Billy Graham's son. Billy Graham has passed on and gone to be with the Lord. But now Franklin Graham heads up this ministry. Franklin Graham is going to be going throughout the United Kingdom to several different locations, several key cities. And they're coming to Wales. Now initially, this is amazing. And it's, it's amazing for us really. Initially, they were going to Cardiff to the Motor Point Arena. But suddenly the Motor Point Arena had a change of heart. So now they're coming to the ICC Arena, the new Celtic Manor Arena that's being built and finished off. They're coming there on the 14th of June, and I think it's a 5,000-seater auditorium. Planet Shakers, the worship band are going to be there all the way from Australia. Uh, who, Michael W. Smith is going to be there ministering in song. And Franklin Graham is going to be preaching the gospel to bring in the harvest that God has told them that is in this nation. Amen. Now, they, I'm, honestly, guys, right, I may take a few moments more this morning, right? The, the, it may run over the service a little bit, but please, if you can stay. I understand if you can't, but please, if you can stay, it won't be long. I want you to really listen as best you can to what I'm going to say, because this is an opportunity for every single one of us that we, might, that, that we must hold on to. We really, we really must. You know, the, this, um, this organization, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, are requiring no, no finances from anyone. They're paying for it outright. And I'm telling you, if you do the maths, they, they don't even share with you what it costs. But I'm telling you, to run these, this operation through, nationally throughout our country, to run this operation just in Newport alone, 
you're talking tens, hundreds of thousands of pounds. You really are. And uh, Faye and I sat with uh, one of the regional coordinators in September, a man called Jogvan. He's, from the, he's a pastor from the Faroe Islands, and he comes over into Wales every two weeks now whilst this, uh, this uh, operation is being organized to work with pastors and to, to just mobilize everything towards this event in June. And we sat with him and we talked with him, and, and he began to speak about how our church, how our lives can be mobilized to reach other people, our friends, our families, people in our extended world. We have an opportunity in this event to invite people to a moment where the gospel is going to be preached and tens of thousands of people's lives are going to be saved. And you know what? Prayerfully, prayerfully, we must consider the person or the, pe- the, the, the people that we have the opportunity to invite. Prayerfully, we must consider that. You may have seen this card on your seat today. I am Andrew. And in a moment, I'm going to talk about Andrew. And how he won his brother Peter to Jesus. Now, you may remember a a number of months ago, I spoke about Andrew and Ananias. And I'm so encouraged because this whole event, the push behind this event, I didn't know. But the push behind this event is for each and every one of us to follow the example of Andrew in winning our friends to Christ, just like he won Peter, his brother. I'm telling you, God's up to something. He really is. In relation to this church, in relation to us reaching out to our friends, not with a hard push, not with doom and gloom, you're going to hell. No. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. That's what's going to be on the lips of this church. That's the spirit, the mind, and the motivation and the impetus that is in the DNA of this church. That's the message, the love of God to a lost and a broken world. This card has a number of pointers as to how we can reach our friends, our loved ones, and others in our world that God directs us to. And there's, there's a number of steps, four steps. It talks about praying, praying for a person that God brings into your heart. How can you soften the soil of their heart? To reach them? How can you soften the soil of your friend's life that may not know Jesus right now? Their life is hanging in the balance. How can you soften uh, soften the soil of their heart for them to be open to that invitation that you're going to give? Prayer. Prayer. You pray. Jesus said it like this, go into your closet, into that old cupboard that you've got in your house. Close the door behind you. Don't let anybody in. Your father who's in secret, who sees in secret, 
hears your prayer. In fact, before you even come into the cupboard, he knows what you're going to say even before you say it. And he, he who is in secret, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Not in the secret place when you're praying it and you're yawning, thinking, oh, what am I doing in here? No. He'll reward you openly outside of the cupboard. You'll, you'll walk into a situation and suddenly that person that you've been praying for will come up to you and say, hey, what are you doing on the weekend? Well, I, I go to church and we have a great time or I go to connect group or I'm going along to this event. Do you want to? And suddenly their heart will be opened and the reward will be open to you. He'll reward you openly about the things that you prayed for privately. That's how it works. Prayer will soften the heart of your friend. Prayer will open their life. Have a chat with your Father in heaven about it, and you'll be amazed. You will be amazed. Name the person or name the persons that you're going to speak to in the presence of your Father. And I'm telling you now, God will move heaven and earth and the Holy Spirit will go and the Holy Spirit will maneuver situations sovereignly for you to walk right on in there and win them to Christ. And you may even win them to Christ before you even get them to the event. That's the beauty of it. I'm telling you, you know it to be true, church. You know this to be true. You know he's a prayer answering God. I'm not talking something, you know, that's, that's out of the ballpark for you. I'm talking about things that you know you've tried and tested them and they work. Prayer works. You're going to pray for your friends. You're going to share with them. You're going to get that opportunity. And these are the four steps that's on this card. Then you're going to bring them to the event or you're going to bring them to events. Don't wait till the 14th of June. Bring them to Festive Bite. Why? Well, do you know what? Them girls in sisterhood, dancing, partying, loved it, rocking, rolling, loving it. Do you know what? Jesus loves it. He loves it. He absolutely loves it. Hopefully next year, I'm, I'm going off on one, right? Hopefully I'm going to teach, and this is inspired by Paul. I'm going to teach about the feasts of Israel. The feasts of Israel. Do you know the feasts of Israel? It was a massive party. One big, just massive party. Seven feasts. All just with the intention of remembering what God's done and what He is going to do. Because some of them haven't even been fulfilled yet. But it was just one big mass party for the people of God to celebrate what He's done and what He's doing. And the, the feast that God set out in the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New Testament. And are to be celebrated by the people of God because they're signs of not things that have a shadow, but that have things that have been fulfilled through Christ in our lives. So party, partying, the people of God celebrating, dancing on the dance floor is God's design. It really is. It really is. So bring, it may be that God gives you an opportunity way before this event, and then you can find somebody else. But you can just write 
the name of the person on that card. I think it's a great practical way, you know, that we can take home today and we can use this and we can remember this. I'm telling you, you think, oh man, I've had my fingers burned with evangelism. We all have. I told, people, I told somebody about Jesus once and they told me to, you know, and then they went and, 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 you know, they told all of, my work, all of my workplace and I feel like the village idiot. I know. I know. We have all, we have all, we've all had our fingers burned. We've all felt the rejection. How many people have felt rejected when they've... Of course you have. Of course you have. We all have. We all have. But you know what? Sometimes that rejection has a positive effect because it really does cause you to understand your convictions and it really does solidify the Word of God in your life for the next person that you're going to meet. So we've all had our fingers burnt. We've all felt sometimes embarrassed to be in a situation where the spotlight's on us. Well, what do you believe in God then? What do you think about God? Of course, that's our emotions. But you know what? When you pray, I'm telling you, God will orchestrate things. He'll turn things around for your good. Because, and you'll also know this to be true, there is nothing like winning somebody to Christ personally. There's nothing like it. When you share your faith, when you bring people to the feet of Jesus, and you watch Jesus do what only He can do, I'm telling you, there is nothing, nothing, nothing like it. What a joy it is. So we're going to be, we're going to be involved in that. And also you'll see, I think we had, did we have those? Have we, we haven't given these out yet. It's a little, lovely bookmark. And it's again, just praying for the event next year. We're going to give you these in the new year. And there's pointers throughout the week that we can engage in and pray for this crusade. When we, were, when we were at the opening evening about this crusade, when we, when we went, the vice president stood up of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and he said, every year we get many, many invites from nations around the world. And he said, we got tens of thousands of invitations from Mexico. He said, we got tens of thousands of invitations from South Korea, from pastors and believers within churches asking us and inviting us to come to their nation for 2020. We didn't get one invitation from the United Kingdom, right? He said, but we're coming. He said, we're coming because we have an unshakable burden for this land, for the church, for the world. So as a congregation, as a family of people, we want to be behind this wholeheartedly, don't we? We really do. Now I'm going to read to you just from John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 40 to verse 42. And it's where Andrew goes to his brother Peter to reach him for Jesus. It says this, One of the two who heard John speak 
and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, which was Peter, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated stone. This is just an ordinary, everyday moment. Nothing unusual about it. John, the Baptist, had reached out to Andrew. And he brought him to Christ. Andrew, on understanding that Christ is the Messiah, the Savior, the Lamb of God that John had spoken about, immediately has to go and find his brother, Peter. This is so spontaneous, so natural. He's passionate. He's direct. Jesus doesn't turn around to Andrew and say, now go and find your brother. Now go and tell your friends. Now go from me, knowing that I am the Messiah and the Savior. Go and tell everybody. No, there's a spontaneous awakening within Andrew that just causes him to go and find his brother. It's deliberate. It's an act of passion that would greatly affect Peter's future. Peter's future would hang in the balance until Andrew would find him. But Andrew found Peter and he explained to him who he had found. He'd found the Christ, the one who all of their hopes could be fulfilled by. Andrew didn't look at Peter's past because Peter had a big past. When I look at this, when you see this in its simplicity, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. It's just one man receiving Christ and understanding a little about who he is and the fulfillment of a wonderful promise. And then run into his brother excitedly with this great invitation. You've got to come and see this person that we've met. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. This passion here is spontaneous and it's just an ordinary day. And even the verse itself, when you read it, could be something that you just pass by as unimportant. But when you begin to really think about it, it's wonderful. He runs to his brother. He doesn't question his past. Peter was a terrorist. He was a zealot. He was a Roman insurrectionist. He was a violent man who had a violent past. And later, even when he was having confession time with Jesus, he openly said, I'm a sinful man. Your presence is too much. Depart from me. But Andrew doesn't question what Peter had done in his past or where he was or where he had come from. No, he just goes and finds him and says, listen, you've got to come and find this man. He brings him to Jesus. There's intention here. Sometimes we can go to people and we can go and find them and we can tell them about Jesus and then leave them. Well, I've, I've done my job. 
I've found you. I've told you this good news. Now it's over to you. you you've got to make your own way to Jesus. And we walk away and our conscious, conscience is kind of appeased because we've left it with them. But this isn't the way that Andrew conducted himself with his brother Peter. He finds Peter. He tells Peter about the Messiah. And then he doesn't walk away for Peter to go on his way. And, you know, when, when the right time comes, Peter can find his way on his own and make his own connection and introduction to Jesus. No, Andrew brings him. He brings him. He brings his brother. You see, there's intention there. This is important, Peter. Your future is with this man, Peter. Now, that's not said, but the inference is all there. And when you begin to look at the big picture of Peter's life, you can see how important this very ordinary day was for this man. He brings him, and then suddenly, no attention on Andrew. The attention is on Peter. Why? Because Jesus has already reached Andrew, already settled things in Andrew's heart. Now it's Peter's turn. And he says, you are, but you will be. He talks about his immediate, and Christ does that for all of our lives. He talks about where you are. You are, he says, Simon, but you will be. And I'm telling you, as we faithfully find our friends, as we faithfully go to where they are, and we, we invite them and tell them as we're led about the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And then, don't just leave them where we find them. We bring them. It's very practical. So simple, but so amazing. We bring them to Christ. And Jesus, in his own way, in the way that only he can, will show them where they are but where they're going to be, just like he did, just like he did for Peter in this situation with Andrew. Andrew, in lots of ways, is such an insignificant person. And I, I mentioned this numerous times a few months ago. You don't hear much about Andrew, but what we know about Andrew was, do you know what? He was interested in people. So interested. He didn't want to be the, the big shot preacher. He didn't want to be out there in the forefront. No, he, he, he was just interested in people. It was Andrew that brought Peter to Jesus. It was Andrew that took notice of the little boy. I said this. Took notice of the little boy that brought his lunch to Jesus that everybody else despised. And Andrew's hands were the bridge through which that little lunch traveled into Jesus' hands. And a miracle, a miracle was done to multitudes of people. Andrew was the man. When the Greeks wanted to meet Jesus, Andrew was the man, again, that gave them and brought them close and into an audience with Jesus, whereby they could talk to him. You see, Andrew shows us, the message of his life shows us that God can use the ordinary 
to do extraordinary. God can use the ordinary. That's great news for us because we're just ordinary people. We're ordinary people serving an extraordinary God. God's going to do extraordinary things through you. Well, Dave, I don't see myself as an evangelist. I don't see myself as a preacher. I don't see myself this. uh, Do you know what? We're just ordinary people through which God will do extraordinary things. And as we, again, bring this to our attention, as we, again, attend to the most, one of the most important things in the Gospels, the Great Commission that Christ has given to every one of us. I'm telling you, God will work with us. And the, the great things that He does through our lives, the significant things that He uses us to do, will truly, truly astound you. That's the message of Andrew's life. An ordinary man through which God did extraordinary things. Andrew would never preach to thousands, but the man that he brought over the bridge of his life would. Andrew would never write letters that the Bible contains which we enjoy, but the the man that he brought over the bridge of his life would. Andrew isn't known for praying for the sick and raising the dead and doing incredible things for God and having the revelation, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But the man that crossed over the bridge of his life was. And our desire, just like I'm telling you, it's my desire. Our desire as a church isn't to have our name in lights, isn't to, you know, Be launched into stardom and fame. That's not what the kingdom of God's about. Our our desire is just to be ordinary people going about in the mix of life, using our lives to be a bridge for others to come across. And who knows, who knows what God will do with those lives that he's going to use us to bring. There could be a Peter that you're going to bring to the feet of Christ. There could be a Paul. Paul's another man. The two most prominent men in the New Testament were undoubtedly Peter and Paul. Undoubtedly. All of the New Testament writings, the majority of them focus on those two individuals, whether it's through their writings, their revelations, or what they did in the church and in nations of the world. And yet these two most prominent men were were brought to Christ and helped along in their way by two of the most insignificant ordinary men that we never really read about. Andrew was the one that brought Peter, Ananias, the faithful servant in Acts chapter 9 that was praying... You never know where prayer's going to lead you, church. It led Ananias to the street called Straight, into Judas's house where a man was blind. He'd been blinded by an encounter with Christ on the Damascus Road. His name was Saul of Tarsus. 
and God, God saved him. God came into that moment of his life and changed him forever. And it was Ananias, an insignificant man, but a faithful man that was instrumental into the early beginnings of that great apostle that we know as Paul. Who knows what our ordinary lives can do? Amen. Amen. Why don't you just take this card in your hand? We're going to close. Time has uh, gone. Thank you for your patience this morning. And it went over a little in the worship. But do you know, we just have to flow with him, don't we? And I know it's not easy sometimes. Time restraints, parking, and all of the stuff that come to distract us. But thank you this morning for just taking that extra time just to listen. Try to wrap it up as quick as I can. But let's take this card. Let's hold it up if you've got one. If you haven't, we'll get one to you. Maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you already about a person that you're going to pray for, first of all. Then you're going to share with then you're going to bring, and then you're going to follow up because they're going to become part of this family, your family, the church. Maybe the Holy Spirit showed you a person. Maybe he hasn't. Don't be pressured. But he is going to show you, okay? I'm going to ask Faye to come. She's going to share a little story about this card and about a pastor that had a church like ours. And the people, it gripped the people, it gripped the family of God when there was a Billy Graham, Billy, uh, a Franklin Graham crusade like what's happening in, in the ICC. But I'm going to pray now. Father, I pray for your people, each one of us, Lord. I don't know who I'm going to bring yet. I don't know who I'm going to invite. Lord, I pray that you would just drop somebody in our heart. Holy Spirit, we love winning people for you. Lord, if it's one, if it's 100, who knows? But Lord, we just, we, we, we just love sharing about your goodness, about your love, about what you've done in our lives. And, and like Andrew, we want to go and find our friends, the friend that you're going to tell us about. Not only when we find them are we going to share with them, but we want to be the one that cares for them, that brings them, that's the bridge toward you, Jesus, so that their lives can be enriched and saved. And Lord, you can do all of the wonderful things that only you can do. Lord, we ask you for this. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Faye's going to close the service. We're going to, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. But it's been a joy, and it will be a joy, to be involved in this wonderful, wonderful event that's coming about next year. God bless you. Great. You know, as Dave is sharing that, we met with Yogfin, who was a pastor in the Faroe Islands, and he said that his church just began to take this to heart and praying for people, praying for people that would come to the crusade but he said an amazing thing happened because you're beginning that work six seven eight months in advance he said he started seeing people coming to Jesus like Dave said even before 
people bringing their friends, the soil of their friends' hearts through our prayers going out, people's lives being softened and people's lives being changed even before bringing them to church, bringing them to things. So as we do this together, we can be encouraged. And we were listening to a testimony of a, a pastor that, um, who was recently in Australia in a crusade that um, Franklin Graham was hosting. And he really thought, do you know what? I'm going to take the most of this. I can either disregard this or I can take the most of this and encourage our church family to pray and believe. And his church wasn't overly large, but each person within their church thought, no, I play a place, I play a part in this. And they began to pray to invite their friends. And with the, um, with the crusade that takes place, they were able to book seats and able to book group seating. So the time came when he went to his church and he said, how many seats church do we need? And the reports came in. And so he filled in on the form uh, and the Billy Graham Association got the form and they thought, oh, bless, there's been a typo on this. This guy's put 999 down. So he was like, oh, so they gave him a call and they're like, oh, we're so pleased that you're bringing some people from your church and they're bringing their friends to this crusade. We just noticed that there's been a bit of a typo, you know, and you've maybe just done something a bit wrong because you've written a 999 on this form. He said, yeah, there has been a typo. He said, you wouldn't let me put any more seats than 999. And he said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, our church has been praying. We've mobilized as a church we're praying we've been inviting people and we actually need seats for over 1200 people will you give them to us and the billy graham association they're like that's a whole lot of seats that's a whole lot of section of a hall if nobody turns up but they thought no this guy has stepped out his church has got behind them and they reserved a whole section of the arena what over 1200 seats they um, they reserved and do you know what on that night all of the seats were taken and do you know for that church their church doubled overnight because of the salvation that they saw in that house so we want to encourage you as a church we're not looking you know we're not saying oh come on let's try and beat them with number but what we're saying is do you know what Lord, what will you have us to do? We don't want to be, we just don't want to be dismissive of this and go about our other daily lives. But no, Lord, you've placed us to be a friend to somebody. So how can I help be that friend that prays for that person? So let's pray right now. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you're in this place. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you move the hearts of people around the world to have a burden for our nation. Lord, you know the plans that you have for our nation. Lord, you, you're desperately in love with the people of Great Britain. You're desperately in love with the people of Wales. And Lord, you chose Newport to be the place that you would send an evangelist like Franklin Graham. So Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we will take up the charge and we will be in Andrew praying for a friend and a family member. And Lord, you will empower us through compassion through a hearing heart Lord to minister to people and say I'm going to this do you want to come with me so Lord today we just ask that you would just breathe on this and Lord you would just bring people to our remembrance in Jesus name amen you know you may be here today and you say oh do you know what I've come into church really not knowing what to expect today 
But throughout the whole service, I'm kind of amazed and I'm kind of thinking, there's something here that I haven't got. Well, today it will be my privilege to introduce you to that somebody, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus is here today, and his invitation for you is to come. He doesn't want you to have to try and navigate through life without him, because it's like trying to navigate in the dark, bumping into things, tripping up over things. But Jesus came because he wanted to walk alongside us in life. He wanted to help us. And he says that he wants to be your savior as much as he does anybody else's in this place. Just like Dave said, listen, if he can save a terrorist who was trying to bring down a government and overthrow it, he, there's nothing that you've done that's too big that Jesus can't handle. He's not looking for you to clean up his, your act, but what he is looking for is for you to come with childlike faith and say, Jesus, do you know what? I need you. And if you're in this place today, why don't you pray these words with me right now? Say, Jesus, thank you for coming from heaven to earth for somebody like me. I need a savior. I'm a sinner. I mess things up all the time. And I need you to forgive me of my sins. Come and live in my heart and help me as I journey through life. If you prayed that prayer today, we've got Bibles at the back and we would love to be able to give you one of them and our team will be there. They're completely free. Please take one of them. And they're gift wrapped with a stories magazine, which is stories of people from within our church who may have walked a similar walk to you. And they're there to encourage you. And our advice would be, just keep coming back. If you're not from the area and you prayed that prayer, find a church local to yourself. And if you are from Newport, we would love you to keep on coming to Kings and get to know you over the following weeks and months. But church, why don't we stand right now? We're going to worship God as we leave this place today. And let's be expectant and let's ready our hearts for what God is going to do in you and through you.